Yeah, I, I have to say that there are days when I am just longing for COVID to get drowned. Right? That's uh, that they actually pronounce the ED. Let COVID get drowned. And our dear friend Jeff is going to come and read the scripture from Acts chapter 7. It's a very long reading. So I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles. If you have them, get out your phone, Acts chapter 7. We're reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And we're not going to read all 53 verses, but we're going to read most of them. We tried to edit it down just a little bit and still get the great story that's being told here from Dr. Luke as he writes about the history that was preached from the mouth of Stephen. So Stephen is actually preaching. Scott left us off in Acts chapter 6 last week, and, and we are now going to hear from Stephen as he looked into the faces of all of the people who did not know God in the way that he had come to know God. And so he's about to give the message of God's faithfulness through all generations. Can you say all generations? Okay, so we picked that one hymn, um, Blessed Assurance, because it's like, this is my story, this is my song, and you've got one. You've got a story, and you've got a song that talks about what you've lived through in life. So I went over to Seth, because Seth had texted me one, you know, some time ago about, you know, hymns he likes, and he sent me Blessed Assurance. So I went over, and I said, yeah, we, we did that, we did that hymn for you. He goes, oh, no, the one in your hands. That's the one when I first started coming to church. So, you know, I got to tell you, everybody's got a song that matches your story. You know, there's something that just comes alive in you when you know that the word that is being spoken is not just a word, but the word that God's giving you right now. And you do have a story, my friends. If you're alive today, you got a story, right? Look at each other. Say, oh, yep, mm mm-hmm. I've seen some of your chapters, right? You've seen some of my chapters, and so let's hear the word, right? Let's hear the word of the Lord uh, through the preaching of Stephen and in the voice of Jeff Thomas. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our ancestor Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran, and said to him, leave your country and your relatives and go to the land that I will show you. Then he left the country of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After his father died, God had him move from there to this country in which you are now living. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day, And Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. The patriarchs, jealous of their brother Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his afflictions. It enabled him to win favor and to show wisdom when he stood before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, who appointed him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout Egypt and Canaan and great suffering, and our ancestors could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent his ancestors there on their first visit. On the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. 
Then Joseph sent and invited his father Jacob and all his relatives to come to him, 75 in all. But as the time drew near for the fulfillment of the promise that God had made to Abraham, our people in Egypt increased and multiplied until another king who had not known Joseph ruled over Egypt. He dealt craftily with our race and forced our ancestors to abandon their infants so that they would die. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful before God. For three months, he was brought up in his father's house. And when he was abandoned, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. So Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in the words and deeds. When he, had, when he was 40 years old, he came into his heart, it came into his heart to visit his relatives, the Israelites. When he saw one of them being wronged, he defended an, an offended, defended an oppressed man and ab- Mm -hmm. Oh, my. (laughs) Okay. He defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking him down, striking down the Egyptian. Moses fled and became a resident alien in the land of Median. Then he became the father of two sons. Now, when 40 years has passed, an angel had appeared to him in the wilderness on Mount Sinai. In the flame of the burning bush, When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight and was approached to look. There came the voice of the Lord. I am the Lord God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses began to tremble and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the mistreatment of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to rescue them. Come now, I will send you to Egypt. It was this Moses whom they rejected when they said, Who made you a ruler and a judge? And whom God now sent as both ruler, and liberator through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out, having performed wonders and signs in Egypt, at the Red Sea, and in the wilderness for 40 years. Our ancestors had the tent of testimony in the wilderness. As God directed when he spoke to Moses, ordering him to make it according to the pattern he had seen, Our ancestors in turn brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nation that God drove out before our ancestors. And it was there until the time of David who found favor with God and asked that he might find a dwelling place for the house of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made with human hands, as the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the (laughs) Lord? 
Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you are forever opposing the Holy Spirit, just as your ancestors used to do. Which of the prophets did your ancestors persecute? Are you, you are the ones that received the law as ordained by the angels, and yet you have not kept it. This is God's word for us. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment and let's just quiet ourselves. And I want to say to you, God, I want the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to bring you pleasure and to give healing and grace to people today in really strange times. And so, God, you know the stories of every one of us in this parking lot right now. Would you give us the grace we need today to hear the word that is ours to hear? Amen. In 53 verses... Stephen gives the Old Testament story. He gives us a way to see the the history of the people that have gone before us. He illustrates how God's people are fickle. Anybody know the word fickle? So my dad used to sing, he had four daughters, and he would sing, which means woman is fickle. And, you know, we used to love the song until we found out what it meant. And then we're like, well, the brothers are fickle too, Dad, you know. And, and here's the reality. We do change our minds. And sometimes we go back on things that we have known in our own center, our own ability to know God, and we forget our core values. If you're a human, say amen. Jesse Ventura said it this way, learn from history or you're doomed to repeat it. Amen. You know, that's a reality. When we learn from our history, we can learn not to repeat it. It is one of the great challenges of not taking down statues properly and putting them in places where we can remember what we did when we lost our way. It's as as important as finding the ways that we found our way. But where do they belong? Where do these monuments of our story belong? That is a question here. How many times have you circled around the problems of your life over and over again? Like you said, I am never going to do that again. And then again, you find yourself having done it. Psalm 78, read the whole psalm. It just talks about teach your children well, friends. Teach the generations after you well. Let us be the kind of people who talk about the good works of God and that that is the legacy that we're leaving That we would say, we don't want to be like our ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation. And God, every time I'm like that, catch me in the act. Please help me and catch me in the act. I don't want to be like that day on my worst day again. I really want to find your grace. See, history will repeat itself if we resist the Holy Spirit. 
And we see this. This is what Stephen's saying. You've always resisted the Holy Spirit. You're resisting the Holy Spirit. He, he's like, you saw it with all of our ancestors, but you're doing it again today. I don't know if you know this, but Stephen lost his life at the, at the end of this preaching gig. So nobody, everybody put down your rocks for me, please. And, but when we realize that there are ways that we resist the Holy Spirit, we, we might think, oh, well, what does that mean? That's kind of mystical. God's purpose in the anythings of history are to bring us to Christ in the anythings of history. God's intention and purpose is always to bring us to Christ and the love of Christ and the grace of God, always. Whatever is happening, this is always the idea of God. People who seek God will find God. You know, we can find God. I love that the heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool and everybody just feel the earth under your feet today and know that we are here with God. In verse 44, it says, our ancestors had the tent of testimony in the wilderness. What is your story? What is your testimony? Where are the places where God has shown up and you say, and I will sing of the goodness of God. You know, where is it where you'll sing, all along you were beside me, even when I couldn't tell? I mean, you got that story, my friends. I mean, it can be long times here, but you have a story, and I hope you'll find it even on this day to remember what has gone on between the now and then, and what will happen between the now and the not yet. God wants to be with us. In, in January, Scott prophesied to our church. I don't know if you were all listening to our pastor, but he said to us, hybrid everybody. This was two months before COVID. Hybrid everybody. God spoke this to me for this year. Hybrid. We are going to pay attention to how to preach the gospel in ways that we've never done it before. So if you haven't listened to the January series, go back and listen to the prophet Scottify. All right? And, and here's, here's the reality. These ancestors from the Old Testament, there were people who didn't make it into the promised land, did they? they? They had elders that were unwilling to go in. They They complained. They didn't like the manna. They didn't like the technology. They didn't like the parking lot. They didn't like the quail. I mean, read it. God is always going to give us another thing that we can grow in the love for God. You know, there's always going to be an opportunity. And I got to tell you, I screw up. One of the things that I love is that this church is not about a talking head. It's about a, it's about a body. I need a windscreen or somebody turned their microphone off or something. But, you know, this is about a body. We have these wonderful elders. I don't know if you know them. Stand up, elders, for a minute. All the elders that are here with us today. I have to tell you, this is the discerning community of our church, these elders, they're the discerning community of our church. And I have to tell you, we've been doing this for decades together. Not like a minute, not like one time we discern together. But, and you know what's fabulous about it? We don't think alike. We don't talk alike. We don't walk alike. Some of them don't wear masks. Some of them do. So, like, look, right now, there's Jacques in a mask. And, you know, I just got to tell you, we are not, we are not cult-like. In fact, if you're not hanging out with people who don't think like you, you need new friends. 
because the best thing that can ever happen to you is to be with people who don't think like you so that they can help challenge you so that when we discern and do the will of God together, what's fabulous is when we went into the parking lot, we discerned it in unity together. We discerned it together, not from what we, um, you know, our personal opinions were, but what was good for the body. Like, what is good for the body? Not good for me, not, not good for just one of us. What is good for the body right now? And so you'll find that God gives different prophets to different churches, and they're called to do different things. Amen? So some churches are doing it one way. Some churches are doing it another way. Why? Because God is multifaceted, and we are not God. And if we're listening to God, we might actually grow up in Christ and say, oh, man, that's inconvenient for me. But God must want me to be inconvenienced for some minute or two just so that I can learn something I wouldn't know. But unfortunately for Americans, we're consumers, and we can just make choices to go to somebody, some other prophet rather than having the kind of spiritual formation happen in us that when you said, you know what, I, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I, Mary... When Mary, uh, when Mary and Norman were going through their, their difficult days, I remember Mary said to me, I want Kathleen. She goes, I hope you're not offended by that, but I just need Kathleen right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're not offending me. Because it's about a body. It's about a body that can show up and walk together and go from there to here and here to there. And, you know, the Benedictines, they took a vow of stability. They said, pick a road and walk on it. Pick up people and stay with them because they're going to help you grow up. See, it's interesting that these people had a tabernacle of testimony, the Bible says. What is that? What is that? Okay, we can't do a big Bible study right now, but just read 15 chapters um, in Exodus that talks about the building of the, you know, the temple. And then read all about the 40 years in the wilderness where they pulled the tent, you know, at the tabernacle. And what it was, was it was their moral code they carried with them. It was their moral code, like their core values. Like this is what, this is the value that will keep me through difficult times. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna peter out. If you don't know what peter out means, it means, you know, Peter when he just like disappeared at the hardest time. I'm not going to peter out. I'm actually going to walk this walk here. So it's interesting. I I think about the 613 laws that the Hebrews had. 613. Some were ceremonial laws. Some were civil laws. Some were moral laws. 613. I mean, I'm having a hard enough time with Ten Commandments let alone 613. And I think about the fact that, you know, we don't even know how many laws there are in the United States. Do you guys know that? Google it. Like one guy was funny. He's like, we don't know because nobody can count that high. You know, there's like 20,000 just gun laws. There are so many laws in the IRS, you know, the Lord in your mercy. I think it's whatever did they say, how many billion words are in there. If... Here it is. In 200 years, we have 3.4 million words, and it printed our 60 lines to a page, and it's more than 7,500 pages long. So you think the Israelites had it bad with laws. Well, but here's what I want to say. So what, is there any hope for us at all? Because who can live by all the laws? What, mask, no mask, mask in the restaurant, not in the parking lot, here I can hug, there I can't hug. I mean, it's, are you guys having fun with this yet? 
I mean, I, I think it's hilarious that we don't make people wear masks at a table in a restaurant, but kids have to wear a mask at their desk in school. I'm just wondering about that. I don't, I don't understand that. It's like, if we could just, I loved what Adam said to me today, just pick something and stick with it and make it consistent so we all get what we're supposed to do, you know? So I, I think there is this thing though, like why? What is it that's happening in us that God is trying to form in us because laws are hard and they're meant to challenge us. And so what do we do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I just want to say, you know, the civil laws are there for day-to-day living to tell us what punishment is for breaking the law. You know, the ceremonial laws, ask Mrs. Edwards about it. She taught chemistry. She'll tell you why, you know, washing your hands is really important right now and cleaning surfaces. It's all in the book of Leviticus. And she, she'll tell you all about that. It's really important. There's important things right now. But then there is this part that is so much more important. Romans 10.4 says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. So does that mean we get to just do whatever we want? No. No. You know, the Bible says, shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. But what does it mean that Christ is the law now, everybody? And then what does it mean when the Bible says God set up his tabernacle in human beings? You, look, just, just hit your own tabernacle for a minute. This is it. This is, the, this is where God wants to live and move and have God's being. See, history will repeat itself if we're, sti- you know, if we're stiff-necked and stubborn. History will repeat itself if we resist the people who God has given to us to guide community. I mean, you know, talk to Sean about Romans chapter 8 and why laws are important to protect human beings and why, why we need people to uphold the law, like good people, not bad people, right? Like, can we just defund the bad people? That's what I'd like to do. And then, like, give good people more money to put their lives on the line for us. I'm not getting political. I'm a tabernacle. God's spirit is in us, my friends. The law lives within us now. Christ, the law, the law, right, in your tabernacle. What are you convicted about right now in caring for your fellow human being? I love that today, Sarah. Like, just who can you help this week? Who can you help? How can you help your brother and sister by wearing a mask? That's the question, friends. It's not, you know, it's not that, you know, the government's trying to take you over. It's about Christ being formed in us. This is Ph.D. level spiritual formation. Is it all about me or do I care about the body of Christ? Do I care about the community at large? Do old lives matter? I I just, those are some things I'm just wondering about. How can we take care of one another, right? So let's just say this is the law living in us, Christ in us, right? Like Marissa's putting her parents up in a little bedroom because they're homeless right now. You know, like how can you help somebody and inconvenience yourself? That is the question of the day, right? Just think about it for a minute. Ask God, how can I be inconvenienced right now so that I can share your love? Because I don't know if you know this, guys, but the United States, we're going through something in our generation we've never gone through. We don't know what it's like to be inconvenienced. We like have everything, when we want it, how we want it. It's my freedom. Don't mess with me. And God is saying, oh, my dear kids, 
your brothers and sisters need you to love them well. Now, I'm going to say that history will repeat itself if we resist Christ being formed and reforming us. So, you know, um, Phyllis Tickle, who's a theologian and religion professor, she talks about, she's in heaven now, she talks about how every 500 years there's a reformation that happens, right? If when Jesus was born, it was called the, the great transformation, God with us. Then 500 years later, the Roman Empire fell and the Dark Ages began and people entered into monastic life where nuns and priests were practicing their tradition in convents and priories. Like they got locked up. They were just all locked up not out in the world as God intended. And then in 1054, the Great Schism, when the church split in half with Eastern and Western, and then in the 1500s, the Reformation, when Martin Luther actually pounded his ideas on the Wittenberg Wall. He was a Catholic priest, and he said, this is not right in our church. This is not right. We've got to do something because we love God and we love each other. This has got to end. And he pounded the 95 ideas he had called the 95 Thesis on the Wittenberg Wall. Why? Because during every 500 years, Phyllis Tickle says, it's time for a rummage sale in the church. Get rid of the stuff that is not working. Get rid of the ways that we don't love one another. Get rid of the ways you become religious and you're freaking out because you have to be in a parking lot instead of a room. I'm not saying God caused the virus, but I am saying I am waking up to what in the world is my faith? And what is it? And if I don't like it here, I'm going over there. Interesting. You know, these Benedictines, Scott and I did a pilgrimage in, uh, um, in uh, Orvieto, Italy, a couple years ago, and walked in the footsteps of Benedict and Scholastica, a brother and sister who loved God, served God, and they took the vow of stability, like pick a road, stay on it. They actually, they could never go to another um, house of worship unless those that they had given their lives to in community gave them permission to go. Can you imagine if people acted like that now? Like, you know what? I really feel a call to go serve the, you know, the, the church next door. Awesome. Let's sit down together with a community of people that you've dedicated yourself to, and let's discern it together so that we can build the kingdom of God. Now, you guys might not be interested in what I'm saying, but I have to tell you, it gets pretty dicey when you get into the book of Revelation. And I'm not going all there today completely, but I'm going to tell you that there's a very interesting uh, messianic rabbi who talks about the building of the temple, like 15 chapters long. And he says, when we look deeper into the design of the tabernacle and the chapters, within these chapters, we find ways to come to faith. We find the plan of redemption. We find the death, burial, and resurrection. It's not just about all of the artistry and the altars and the candles and what you like and what you don't like. It's actually about the book of Revelation. It says this, Revelation 15, and they are singing the song of Moses, the servant of God and the song of the lamb saying, great and wonderful are your deeds, Adonai. Just and true are your ways, O king of the nations. Who shall not fear and glorify your name, O Lord? You alone are holy. All nations shall come and worship before you. Your righteous acts have been revealed. And after these things, I look and the temple of the tent... Same thing we were talking about in seven. Same thing we're talking about in the Old Testament. After these things, I looked in the temple of the tent of the witness of heaven was opened. 
So why am I telling you all this history? Well, first of all, I'd love for you to read your Bible. Get to know words of sacred text. Get to know what God has been speaking from the beginning until now. The bookends of Genesis and Revelation give us ways to see God. And I want to say to us, friends, what, what is it saying? It's opening, like the heavens are opening, and then the tabernacle's going to show. What is it? What's the tabernacle now, everyone? The body of Christ. And what will be revealed on that day is what I, I want to wonder about. Because honestly, I do hear people crying about the manna changing and the quail changing. And I do, I feel it in my own bones. Like, I, I want to be, I do, I want to be in there where the music is rocking and I can feel it in my, you know, the bass in my chest. But that is not what God gave us over this summer. Yeah, we're going back in October for a minute, God willing, and the COVID don't rise. You know, we'll continue to discern and do the will of God in the ways that God will call us to. Yes, we're going back inside, but I want to say, what's your tabernacle of testimony coming out of COVID? Have you grown close to Jesus? Right? Have you grown close to the body of Christ from six feet apart? I mean, Don, Don and I, Don lost his grandmother, my mother, on April the 16th during COVID. We haven't hugged each other yet. Do you guys know that? Like, I've known this person since the day he was born. I pinned his skin to the diaper. And, and I haven't even gotten to hug him yet. Why? Because Don is immune compromised. And I'm out in the wild. Like, I have little people that hug me all the time. And I got, I got, I mean, just coming up here, I got stickers from some of the kids in the, in the parking lot. And, and I, I, this is my call to be available. I, I told uh, a couple of friends over here, I'll hug you after everybody leaves, but I'm not going to do it in the parking lot and cause anyone to stumble. And I would love to hug him. I would love to hug my siblings that are over 60, but we're not doing that right now. And you know what? It reminds me of how much I love them. I'm not mad at Governor Whitmore for whatever, not letting me hug him. I'm, I'm sad because I can't, I, can't, I can't hug him, but I'm grateful that we have this kind of love that transcends six feet. And that he knows and I know that I want him to live a long time. I don't want him to die of COVID. And, and God's, God has had his hand on Don. You guys don't realize he's got like a half a lung. He's got a lung out or analectasis. He's got, you know, immune deficiency. And his doctor told him one day, you know why you're still alive, Don? It's your faith. And all that singing you do, you should not be here. He should not be here. Some of you should not be here, but you're here. You're here. God saved your life, John Dietz, right? Just a couple years ago, saved your life. Doug Worth saved your life. Bonnie Wemple uh, saved your life. Jacques Short, I know your stories, how you almost died, every one of you. And God saved your life. And so how? Guys, we're alive. How are we going to live to be the tabernacle and love people well? How are we going to do this together? I want to do it well. I want when the heavens open up that we see the body. And we go, oh, my God, it's God in the body. They love each other. They care about each other. They're going to take care of each other. They're going to be inconvenienced for each other. They're doing it just like Jesus did. And I got to say, if that happens in my lifetime to see it broken open, like today, wouldn't it be cool if it happened right now? 
Like if that revelation thing, I don't know. I don't know what chapter of revelation we're in, everybody. I get, I get notes every day. What chapter of Revelation are we in? Is this in the book? And then I'm like, Scott, where is that in the Bible? Because I pay no attention to those scriptures. That's Scott's job. That's the, he's the left brain. He's like, no, that's in Daniel. You know, and I, I just want to say, let's read our Bibles and wonder about the day and time we're living in and how Christ is being formed in us as the tabernacle. So will you stand with me? Oh, God. I see the King of glory coming in a cloud with fire. The whole earth shakes. The whole earth shakes. I see His love and mercy. It's washing over all our sins. People say, the people say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Peace.
to be saved from my own selfishness, my own self-referenceness when I'm unable to see the people that I need to see that you're putting right in front of me. Will you just ask God to heal you and to break your heart for what breaks God's heart? Ask God, say, God, I want my heart to break for what your heart breaks for. Can you pray that? Can you pray, God, could you help me be my brother's keeper? Could you help me, God? Could you help me to see when I don't want to be my brother's keeper? Could you show me how to be a part of a community of faith that is not a consumeristic culture, but really is saying, how can I help? How can I help? What can I do, God? What can I do? What do you and I want to do today to help? God, I bless our friends. I bless them. I pray that they go home with some some gift that you gave through all my way too many words. God, would you give them one gift that comes right from your heart to them that would help them to know your love? And would you give us the ability to turn back to you, God, in all the ways that we've turned aside? Would you just show us how to keep our eyes on love and how much you love us? And God, may we live in that way as we wait in joyful hope for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. May God bless you and keep you. May God make his face to shine upon you. May God be gracious to you and give you peace. Love you all. Please lock eyes with someone before you leave, even if it's from six feet apart, and tell them you're glad to see them and you want to see them. And just watch what might happen to you this week. Amen. Make it me. Open up.